morning, everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend Jay Wagner. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. So, Jay, I um, if people don't know you, I, I'm going to do a little bit of an explanation, but you please help me because um, you have a very unique set of skills that you bring to almost any project or any um, creation. And that is you're an author, a filmmaker, a, um, a alchemist, a farmer, <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, a gardener builder uh, or a greenhouse builder. So you're Ma doing construction. Master chef. Master chef, oh yeah. <laughs> So and and uh, you're you have this amazing YouTube channel that I watch instead of TV I I like look for the next the next thing that you have the next episode on YouTube so um, I'm not watching Netflix I'm watching you and a couple other ones so YouTube is my new TV Same here. so so yeah it's better so so what tell us what um, so. So you have you're like a futurist. You uh, read the pulse of what's going on, and then you go into the future. And I remember being at um, several parties at your house when you lived in the hood. And um, one one time you were talking about Trump winning, and everyone was just upset with you. You caused a little bit of commotion, and you don't mind the commotion. That's the thing that's amazing. But um, I remember that. In fact, I lost a friend. I lost a friend at that party. Oh, I bet. Well, yeah. and then I remember being at a parties when um, people called you names I won't say from um, because you were producing Gaia TV and people were um, you had to babysit some of the stars that you made. And and I was uh, like, what? This sounds like high school, man. What's going on? So you ha you have this opportunity to see the future, create things in the future, just like creating stars at Guide TV, and and also to see the reality of things. Whereas most people are caught either in their programming story. Or they're um, they're in so much fear they can't process anything. So, but you you hit you seem to hit the nail on the head and look and are able to find the truth. How do you do that? Well, I think it was a really started. I had a um, I had two kind of near death. Uh, not experiences, but I almost died before I was 12 years old twice. Oh. And the second time I uh, was given last rites by the Catholic priest. And, and I was the only one that I was an altar boy, so I could understand Latin. And so I'm being wheeled down the uh, hallway in the hospital. And the priest is, you know, speaking in Latin and putting holy water on me and all the people, my parents and my family are all crying. And because I had this accident and um, 
I was the only one that understood what the priest was saying. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, wait a minute. But what are you saying? I'm a, what? I'm about to die, right? For this soul who is about to die, you know, please, you know, take him with you. And I was like, holy crap, this is serious stuff. You know, and then I woke up from the operation and, um, and um, <clears throat> I didn't really know what was going on. I was 12 years old. I had this big, huge tube coming out of my nose and everything. And I'll never forget it. I, um, I was really depressed and all alone in this hospital room. And um, the nurse came by and asked me if I needed anything. And I said, yeah, well, can you turn on the TV? And so she turns on the TV, old black and white TV. There are three channels in those days. And um, within about 10 minutes, a film started. And it was called The Incredible Shrinking Man. And oh. it was a science fiction film about a guy who is out on his fishing boat. And a mysterious fog envelops him one day. And... Um, a little while after that, he begins shrinking in size. And, you know, pretty soon he's living in the dollhouse, right? And the cat's trying to kill him. Then he gets flushed down the stairs into the toy, uh, into the basement, where now he's really small. He's like this big. And a giant spider tries to kill him, and he kills the spider. And, and at the very end of the movie, he's small enough to crawl through the openings in the screen of the door. And he's continuing to shrink. And he looks up at the sky and he can see all the stars in the sky. And, and he's out outside of the basement finally as he crawled through a little hole in the screen. He says, I have come to, I've came, came to realize in that moment that even though I'm, I'm an infinitesimal, I'm still one with the infinite. Wow. And in my drugged out state uh, 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 in the hospital, this film had this like incredibly profound influence on me i've seen it recently it still holds up pretty well actually considering the effects and everything were 1950s but um i think that i got a sort of a fatalistic view of life at that point and so i started taking chances and my dad right before he died he we were talking on the phone and um, he said, uh, I, you know, I'm 93 years old and I've never known anyone who's taken as many chances in their life as you have. You've taken more risks than anyone. I never really thought about it. And I started thinking back about all the crazy risks I took. And then I realized that each risk that I took led me into new areas of perception. And then I remember, um, Terrence McKenna once said to me that um, uh, nature loves courage and she removes boundaries for the courageous. Perfect. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's actually very true. And that nature sort of recognizes who's the one that's really sticking out and, and helps them kind of in a weird way. So, so that, that's kind of my story. I've never told that story before, by the thank way. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Uh, what What do you do then when you go through the fear? How do you, because um, that's, I mean, every time I've pushed through fear like that, um, done something out of comfort zone or out of program 
or out of personality. Um, it's always worked out great, but yep. it's, but it, there's a lot of fear. What do you do to get out of that, out of fear? Well, you know, the thing about fear is it's real. So, you know, you can't say, oh, I, I, I don't have any fear. Of course, I have lots of fears all the time. And, um, but uh, it's weird. I get an adrenaline rush from it. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I kind of like it, you know. I remember one time we were filming a really dangerous scene in a movie. And um, this is, I was maybe 25 at the time and I was directing and the cameraman said, you know, I, I said, I want you to get a close up of this truck tire. It was moved, we're doing about 60 miles an hour. And I wanted him to get the camera really close to the truck tire so we could get the really dramatic movement of the truck. And he said, I'm not doing that. That's crazy, man. I'm not going to sit on this thing going 60 miles an hour and try to do that. And I said, yeah, you know, I totally understand. I, I wouldn't do it either. But then I did it. So I made him get off the cart and then I took over the camera and it was only later I realized how really, really dangerous that yeah. was. And um, and I probably would never do it again. But um, uh, I got the shot. And that was what all that really counted. So, you know, the, it, it, there, it, there's just certain people that like it. And I'm one of them, you know. And I, the military looks for them, looks for people like me. They, they do a test. And they look for the guy that's crazy enough to be the first guy out of the hole, you know, looking for the enemy and whatever. Also, there's um, there's perception. I don't know how, how else to say it, but I'm frequently the first person in a group that will see something coming at us. Yes, that's, that's why I wanted to bring that up is that I think the people watching your project, your perceptions and your and you don't you're not um rigid with them where you're not professorial like class this is how it is you go hey i got this this and this how do you see that building this is how i see it and so you really take people with you as you're deducing what's what's yeah i have a I have the weird ability to take complex uh, issues and simplify them and make them easy to understand. I have don't know where I got that from. It's some strange articulation that I, I've been gifted with. My wife says that I've, uh, what's the Irish word for uh, bullshit? What's it called? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, uh, I can't remember, but she says I have it, right? Oh, <laughs> it's not BSing. It's the ability to accentuate a story. It's the Irish have a, a gift for oh. that, and I am Irish. And, you know, the, the, it's well known, and the gift of gab is what it is. And um, and um, and so, you know, I, I, I remember when I was really young, I had a very bad speech impediment. And... Um, I uh, was even taken to classes in school to uh, get rid of my speech impediment. And um, I remember uh, at one point making up my mind that I was not only going to not have a speech impediment, but that I was actually going to be an outstanding speaker. And I remember consciously very young, maybe 13, 14 years old, 
making the conscious decision that I was going to learn how to pronounce words correctly. I was going to learn how to use uh, the syntax correctly. And I was going to learn how to <clears throat> put sentences in chronological order so that people could understand what I was doing. And my family was all lawyers. So I, you know, my sister was a lawyer. My, uh, grandfather was a lawyer, my great-grandfather was a lawyer, my nephew is a lawyer, um, and I think that it's, it has something to do with in, some kind of inherent ability, because lawyers have that ability, <laughs> you know, to articulate an issue, well, and it came coming very valuable to me, too, believe me, there's been some tight situations uh, where, um, you know, my ability to uh, to talk it got me out of it, right? I remember one time I was almost arrested in Mexico. I was down there doing a shoot years ago, and it was totally illegal. Everything we were doing was illegal. I mean, everything we were doing was illegal. And the cops came over and saw that what we were doing, and we were working with explosives, and we didn't have any oh permits. And, and, you know, he was ready to pull all of us into jail, and I just sat there. Bah, 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 bah. I said, hey, I know there must be a fine for doing this. I just really like just to pay the fine off right now, you know, knowing that I'm, I'm not a fine, I'm bribing him, right? But you can't say that, right? Because then you're bribing him. Right. So, and I saw you only, he looked at me, yeah, there is a, there is a fine for this. I said, how much is it? He said, oh, he looked at it and he said, let me see how much money you have. And I pulled out my wallet and he said, it's exactly 600 pesos. <laughs> I was really willing to pay 600 pesos to get out of it because you don't want to be caught in a Mexican jail. So, you know, you have to learn, you know, you have to, you have, I learned how to play early on, you know, uh, <clears throat> by the moment. And that's what you have to do. And, and then you have to anticipate what's happening around you. And that is, uh, you know, that is my ability. You know, um, some people say, um, why do why do some people see UFOs or Bigfoot or, um, you know, weird apparitions and things? And, and I, and I say, because they're looking, that's why, you know, they're not, they're not looking at their feet. They're not walking on the ground, looking at their feet. They're when they're walking, they're looking around, looking up in the sky, they're looking, then you'll see it. But if you're not looking up and looking around, then you're not going to see it. And most people don't. I mean, I go out in the woods and everybody's just, you know, looking down, walking up the hill, and, and you're like, man, you gotta look around. There's so much stuff to see. And um, I, I remember um, he was a famous Native American activist, Russell Means. Russell Means was talking to me one time, and um, we were out in the middle. It was in California, and it was a, a, a like a, um, a some kind of festival I was at, a music festival. He was one of the speakers. I was a nobody. And we were talking because I'd always liked him. And I said, oh, look at that eagle over there. And we both looked. We saw this beautiful bald eagle flying in a circle. And then he looked at me and he said, uh, you're an odd white guy. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, look around. And we looked, there was like 150 people that were there. And they were all like, you know, waiting for the music to start. He said, I said, yeah. And he says, well, they're all white. And I said, yeah. He goes, not one of them noticed that eagle, except you. And I said, oh, that's really odd. I, said, I wonder why they didn't notice it. And, and he said, "We uh, Native Americans always notice that kind of stuff. So it's uh, you're an odd person. I said, oh, okay. 
you know. <laughs> and sit. But it is true, and I have noted. I have been in groups and noticed stuff that they haven't seen. So you know, I've seen UFOs and haven't seen Bigfoot, but I intend to. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing that um, I want to ask about that, since you are um, you're an expert at alchemy, is how much of this reality, because we're reality checking, how much of this reality are we creating, and how much is part of the scene because Shakespeare said all the world's a stage and so much of this holographic universe information is saying that we're projecting our, our souls projecting into these physical avatars and then we're projecting our whole karmic lessons or whatever the expansiveness of car of uh, consciousness wants how, how do you see that how much of this I mean People can make uh, make rain happen. People can affect the environment, and they do. They do it with their emotions, with their energy fields. How, how do you see that from an alchemy? I mean, how, that's where I get really hung up, being whether it's you're using your projection and your um, grasp of reality the system in place here versus what the 3D reality is. So the, um, so the 99.99% the of the universe is plasma. Right. Um, solids, gas, and uh, um, uh, liquids make up the little 1%, and then all the rest is plasma, right? And so everything has everything that is is plasma, and so when I am, I am a plasma being, I have a plasma field around me, right. and um, <clears throat> when I am in the world like I am right now, the world around me is also plasma, and so we're really not that much different from each other, me as opposed to the outside world, or animals, or trees, or invisible things that exist also in the plasma universe. And so when I, when I emanate um, something, when I emanate an idea or a feeling or whatever, that goes out of me in a wave through the plasma sea, because it's like an ocean. Imagine that you're, we're living in an ocean. And so I, I, I put waves out. They go out into the universe. They hit, objects and bounce back at me and so i am affecting the universe around me all the time and your brain is made out of plasma your blood is made out of plasma your whole entire being is plasma and so when your brain uh has an idea that is uh that goes out like a radio wave into the plasma universe around you <clears throat> And so, <clears throat> and so you can sculpt reality because reality is just plasma and your plasma. And so you, you can control the, the plasma around you, the plasma universe, with your plasma if you want to. If you don't want to, then it won't happen. You just wander through the universe and have the universe treat you like where it wants to treat you at. But if you want to 
have something to say about your universe, then that's that's what that's the physical dynamic behind what's going on. All alchemists understand this. It's an electrical universe. Plasma is electricity. Your chi, your prana, which is what is the driving life force within you, is electricity. That's what it is. It's plasma. And alchemy is merely trying to gather up as much plasma from the outside universe into your body as you can to gain two things. One, more perception of the universe, a higher perception level, and two, um, a longer life so that you can spend longer time here to learn the lessons so that you can bypass this reality the next time around. And so when you die, the field, your field is, you know, out here about arm's length that most people's is when you're in the city, it's shrunk down close to the skin. And when you live in the country, it goes way out. Like where I live, it goes way out. My field is huge because I don't have to worry about um, obstructions because I'm in the country. But <clears throat> when you die, you know, your field will shrink, begin shrinking as you're dying. And when it hits skin level, you'll start to feel cold because the uh, plasma field actually does cause warmth around you. So as the plasma field diminishes, uh, you'll start feeling cold. That, that, when you feel that cold, that's a signal that you're about to go. And then the plasma field shrinks down in and it, and it goes right around your spinal column. Uh, that's for the final shrinking. And then it goes up your spinal column, out the top of your head, and there's a filament, electronic, electrical plasma filament from the larger plasma field that exists around the earth down all the way down to the top of your head. That's why your head is soft when you're a baby. It's a plasma field hasn't finished quite done creating you. All right. So when you die, it goes back up through your whole uh, plasma field, goes up through that filament, which is called a shashumna in the Hindu uh, uh, religion. And that's the tunnel that you see when you die. That's the shashumna. You're going up through this little, it's like millionth the width of a human hair. That's how small it is. And when you die, you go back up through the plasma filament until you enter into the larger plasma body again, all of your memories are dumped into the larger plasma memory. That's the Akashic records. And um, you there's, there's um, seven levels of plasma fields around the earth. Um, each level is a more complicated spiritual dynamic. The seventh one way out at the top is the most um, complicated advanced spiritual dynamic of all when you get past that seventh sphere you are now free um to return back to the source so you can't return back to source until you've gone through all seven layers of these plasma dynamics that exist outside of the earth and um this is what dark matter is um they'll look at a um They'll look at a star and they will weigh it. And the star is heavier than it than it should be. And, and they don't know what to make about it. And so they say, well, there must be like dark matter around that star. Yeah, it's not dark. It's invisible plasma field. And every star and every planet and every person, and every animal and every tree and every plant has a plasma field around it. 
and, and we interact with these plasma fields. So um, when I was at Gaia, we had an animal uh, communicator one time come in and uh, she was amazing. And um, she taught us all how to communicate with animals. So I thought, okay. And so I went home and it was after the shoot and I was having lunch or something. I can't remember what. And my cat was sitting there on the chair and she was looking at me. So I did everything that the animal communicator told me to do. You know, I looked at the cat and then I started talking to her in my mind. I brought up some personal issues that we had had in the past. <laughs> all the, you know, like on my pillow or whatever. And, um, uh, um, and as I was doing it, you know, clearly I was having some kind of a weird effect on the cat because the cat got up, arched her back, and then came over and just started doing figure eights, you know, around my feet, right, over and over and purring so loud I could hear her uh, really clear. And I realized that, you know, what I was doing with my plasma brain was conjuring up you know, direct thoughts at her, her plasma brain was receiving the plasma. And this is what that, um, what do they call that thing in physics where you, um, you can take a, um, you take a molecule and you take a piece of that molecule and uh, say in Germany, and then you take the other piece and you take it and you fly it to Hawaii. Right. And then you, you Entanglement. Entanglement, quantum entanglement is that they're still connected by the plasma filament. That's right. what's going on, that right? And, and it'll be, and you can separate them by hundreds of millions of miles, and they will still be connected together by the plasma filament. So that's what that's what quantum entanglement is. That's what psychic powers are. Um, and once you come to accept all this, it begins. Um, uh, having a, a quantum effect on you where uh, you're like, sure, of course. And you start like being able to read minds. Do I, dare I say, um, understanding the dynamics of situations and, and, and it makes life a lot easier. So, you know, I'm forever thankful that I spent the 25, 30 years studying alchemy because it gave me such a um, coherent uh, view of this reality. And, um, and I'm thankful to say that the, the description that I just gave you is starting to move out into the larger world finally after, after a long time of just a few people really understanding it. So well, I think that's actually become my mission here is to get this message out to people because you don't die. You have nothing to be afraid of at all. Uh, when the, when the creepazoids come to tell you what to do or to stick something in you or whatever, you just say, hey, screw you. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and that is, that's a power that that's why the powers that be do everything they can to squash religion and spirituality and everything. The last thing they want you to do is understand that you're a mortal being, yeah. that you're made out of light and that you have, you never die and that you can't be pushed around. And that's one thing they don't like. And I think the side is crumbling. I right, truly, right. truly do. Okay. So I have a question though, because um, I, so th there's multiple timelines going on at all at the same time. And of and different projections of you. So there's 
there is no time out of this dimension. And as an alchemist, can you jump dimensions or jump timelines to a more profitable one? Like you guys, I, I you were in Ashland, Oregon, then you come here, then you sell Ashland, then you get Crestone, then you sell Boulder. I mean, you have created like this, You, it's a masterpiece actually watching what you guys do. And, and that's alchemy to me. That's, you know, your thoughts are creative. They create, uh, if you have a clear, you have to have a clear, consistent vision yeah. is yeah. what the thing. So could could you talk about that? Because I think there's a lot of people that are waking up right now that are in the law of attraction stuff, or they're, they're kind of caught with, um, well, they, they're trying to get out of victimization, but they're still yeah. in, can you talk about that? Well, there are no victims. The clearly that you, um, my Korean Zen master used to always say that to me, JJJ, there are no victims. There are no victims. <laughs> and I would like, well, yeah, there are. What about the you know little kid down the street didn't have anything to do with the fact that his parents were beating him and all that? I said, you know, this is the law of karma. And I was like, huh, right? And so I, I began to realize that there are no victims that even a person born in terrible circumstances can pull themselves out. The problem is they're not being taught reality the right way. They're not being taught how powerful they are. Um, they're being taught, in fact, the opposite, being taught that they're not powerful, that they're victims of everything. And that just turns you into a weak a uh, weak person. And you don't want to be a weak person. Don't ever let anyone make you a victim. And... Um, and, uh, and and when you, when somebody is claiming to be a victim, you know, be compassionate towards them, but try to make them see that that attitude is a loser attitude. And what we want to do now in our society is we want to acknowledge that there's been a lot of wrongs in the past and that we're working on it. But we also want to accentuate the idea and this is what irritates me about um a lot of the young people today is instead of accentuating their life on what they should be doing they're playing the victim and what you really want to be doing is wake up every day and you know ask yourself what i can do today to make my life better this world better and um you know with a positive attitude and uh, so I'm a great believer in, in, in positivism. And um, I, I think that that also a positive attitude creates a positive future. And so, um, you know, and a negative attitude too creates a negative future. So, we're, you know, that's what we have to do now. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about the uh, cartels, the drug cartels in Mexico. And I said, why doesn't, you know, somebody, Elon Musk or somebody, call a meeting with all the heads of the cartels and say, listen, you've got the United States on your border. <clears throat> you have a, a credible um, uh, 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 country for creating growth, economic growth, and, and making everybody happy. All you have to do is just put the guns away 
and start putting your investments into businesses and trying to bring corporations down to Mexico, making it a nice place for people to work. And you guys would have, you got a great weather. You guys would have a dynamic situation in, in Mexico if you just, you know, start thinking a little bit differently, you know. And I, and I really think that that's really the solution. And I think we need to put that solution to every problem that we're facing. And, um, you know, we're facing a lot of problems. I was in Boulder uh, the other day and I went to Home Depot to buy some stuff for, you know, the hardware store and everything was tied down. I was like, I tried to grab this flashlight and I said, what? And finally I got the clerk and I said, hey, everything on the shelf is, is tacked down. He goes, oh yeah, the shoplifting is out outrageous. I went, really? Even here in Boulder where the average income is like 600000 dollars a year like, really and, and and it goes yeah it says it's impossible and then i uh same store um i i asked the clerk i said uh, i'd like to get some bare copper wire um like to buy a big roll of it and he goes oh we don't sell that anymore and i said why not he said do you know how much copper is cost right now and i said no I, I really don't and he said everybody's stealing it because it costs so much and I was like, really? And it was a real eye opener for me because not only that, but while I was there, I found a, I was in a really nice neighborhood. Um, and I, Sharon was busy. And I decided to take a walk and walked down one of the bike paths in Boulder. And I came across a homeless encampment. And I was shocked. I was really shocked. It was a couple hundred people in tents and right in the middle of a nice neighborhood with people with very expensive condos looking right down on this homeless encampment and there was drugs and trash and it was like i thought well reality's coming home here to boulder finally yeah yeah well yeah i think it's come if you go to la uh, well i haven't been to la in probably four or five years but there's whole streets that are where people live so it's like in this country how how is that possible that we we um don't we don't take care of there shouldn't be any poverty or excuse me any starvation that we just don't take care of our own boulders working on it but again yeah. it's a, it's a different place and yeah, we have, out we, of reality we see it's weird because places like san francisco and boulder although they were always very very liberal they seem to keep their stuff together until just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And now, because San Francisco was always a nice place. I mean, we used to go there all the time. And I know there's always homeless and crime and all that. I'm not saying that. But it's like two, the COVID caused everything to crack open. And, yeah. and, and now the liberal cities cannot get it together. Starting to look like the conservative cities can't get it together either. So... <clears throat> You know, we even have the problems down here in uh, southern Colorado of a lot of homeless now um, that we used to not have. And it's scary because they live up in the hills and they have fires and, you know, yeah. it's dry and windy. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're the, the, we have to change the way we think, you know, and uh, drugs and homelessness and hopelessness and all the things that are going on are easily solvable. Uh, 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 problems and uh, and oh my god, this country has so much money. There's like it's just no reason in the world that That's we should right. have any of this. Well, you you said something about us getting back to community, 
And that's what um, this whole time period has been so divisive. And that's, that's the, I, you know, the archons, if we want to use that, that word, um, uh, supposedly they've been kicked off planet and it's just their minions are still uh, fumbling around. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. doesn't feel like they got kicked off the planet. No, they're still here. Um, yeah, I think that um, if I was Trump, I would do something really amazing. I think I would uh, uh, ask uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. to run with me. And then they have a Democrat and Republican both running together. And, you know, they both piss everybody off. So, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I think that it's, uh, we need to start doing some tricks like that where, uh, you know, you guys we, heard it first here because you got to know Jay, he's a futurist. He does his predictions, even if they're outrageous, they seem to come true. Yeah, so, yeah. That, that, I mean, and and you, you'll just be shocked. Like, I, there's times when I've been with you guys when I'm like shocked, and then I process, and it's like, okay, okay. <laughs> but, but, but at first it was, a, a, and of course, I'd never say anything because I have to process it first to even understand. You're so smart that a lot of times I have to just get it first. <laughs> yeah, I was telling somebody they're they're going. Um, you liked you liked Trump when he was president, you know, and like 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 some some kind of criminal or something. And I said that's not true. I don't like Trump. I like him as president, but I don't like him. Right. And right. And and I and I said I, it's not about liking him. You know, it's like. I probably wouldn't like Clint Eastwood, the guy, the movie in the movies, not the guy, but you know, the actor in the movies, yeah. I wouldn't like him, but man, I'd sure like to have him around me when times are tough because I know <laughs> he'll help me. Right. And that's how I feel about Trump. No, I don't like Trump, but I know that he'll be in the room for me. And I know that he likes America. And so, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm willing to put up with all that annoying stuff that he does to get. But then again, I, I didn't don't really like the bosses I've had in my life, but I still worked for him and I still helped them make money. So it's not not about liking. I don't know what that has to do with anything, you know. And so that's another thing. We've got to stop ruling our lives with feelings, you know, feelings come and go. We don't know what um what the feelings really mean i mean how many times have you been in love with someone then it wasn't really love you know wow. so wow. i think we just we, you know we need to we need to start we need to start having common sense and um uh and i i gotta be honest with you i think cities are over i don't think i i'm looking at it and i'm trying to figure out how cities are going to recover from all of this and I can't, I can't see it. And so um, I have friends who live in San Francisco and they can't sell their house. No one wants to buy it. They've already dropped the price by 20%. Wow. And um, uh, they can't get out. There's homeless people in their yard. Um, they put uh, uh, red pepper all over their front lawn to keep the homeless people off their lawn. And then they, they got a ticket for putting the red pepper on their lawn. So I don't know. I think think it might be time for people to start thinking about abandoning the city. I don't know where to go. 
Um, well, the, I I watched I read an article about um, it was a um, I think it was a North Carolina or Georgia real estate broker, and going he, crazy. He said that he couldn't believe how many people were coming from California that um, they could sell their house there and get and pay cash for something. And yeah. um, he went to, because he, he, you know, every other person he talked to um, said they were coming from California. And then he started looking at statistics and 660,000 people left California last year, 660,000 people relocated. So they're going to, uh, they're going to Texas, Florida, and North Carolina, and South Carolina. So uh, what a, what about, I want to ask, so reality check, what's the deal with global warning, warming? Uh, there is, no, there is yeah. no global warming. I know. So so what what's the advantage to people thinking that there is? Who, who benefits? Uh, it's, a, it's a scam by the New World Order to create a worldwide carbon tax so they can go, have a revenue stream. They'll also control you through that. So you can't like buy wood. You can only buy so much wood a year. You can only buy so many food products a year. Or you can only buy so much gasoline a year. Uh, and, and you'll have a, um, you'll have a uh, like a, a, a ration. And when you reach the end of your ration, then you can't use it anymore. And we can, we have to do everything we can to stop this. And the way they're going to do it is through the digital dollar. Um, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Um, stopping the digital dollar is a hill to die on. I really mean that. I mean, if you're they're going to pick a hill to die on, the digital dollar, stopping the banks from instituting the digital dollar is the final battle. Because if we let that one go through, then you're done. We're all done because they will be watching every single thing you spend your money on. They will be, um, <clears throat> if you're spending too much money on heating your house, you're going to be penalized. You're going to, uh, you spend too much money on gasoline, you're going to be penalized. Uh, uh, we cannot let this happen. We cannot let them digitally control our lives. If we do, we will be slaves, 100% slaves to the bankers, and they will be in complete and total control. So I'm not doing it. Um, uh, I will go to Bitcoin if I have to, but I'm not going on their digital dollar. I, I, I implore all of you to resist it when it come when it comes and it is coming, and um, and we we need to make them know that this is not going to happen, and that we're going to do everything in our power to stop them from doing it. I I suggest you all take your money and put it into a credit union, get it out of the banks because banks are ruled by regulations that credit unions aren't, and. Um, uh, spread it around through different institutions. So it's not in one place. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, 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 and like I said, we, we need to draw a line in the sand and that's the line right there. There's lots of things to fight and die for um, that aren't worth it. But this, this actually is worth fighting and dying for because 
we can't let these buggers do this to us. We can't. We absolutely can't. We have to have some modicum of freedom in our lives or it's not worth living. And, you know, that's the reason why suicide rates are skyrocketing because they, they're doing this. And, and you know, when they weaponize the dollar against Russia and then they weaponize the, um, the Canadian dollar against those truckers, I knew then that yeah. once you weaponize the financial system, you have gone way too far. Right, right. So, so when we're talking about bringing um, communities back into the picture, are you familiar with the Ringing Cedars books and that whole and Anastasia, I think, so. the Russian, the Russian. The Russian book. Yeah, I I used to be in a group that met in uh, Longmont um, once a month, and uh, you had to have read all of the books. And we would sit and talk about it. And um, there's a gentleman that I interviewed that actually has those um, communities where he's growing hemp as part of it. Um, do, yep. do you see, how, how do you see that, um, us getting from city life, convenience of going to grocery store and getting food from all around the world, to going to a community where you eat by the seasons, by what you produce, or you have um, root sellers, and or you trade barter. How do you see us going? Because that's almost uh, Michael Tellinger has the Ubuntu yeah, philosophy. Ubuntu, yeah. how, how do you see us getting from where we are? And I mean, are we fifty years from that, or twenty years from that, or? Well, we're in it. That? It's the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius is going to be the D. Um, decentralization time. Okay. Uh, we, we, the age of Pisces was the age of centralization. And we looked through the last 2000 years. It's all we saw with cities and armies being centralized and everything is super centralized. Universities are centralized. And now we don't need that. We got, you know, we can go to university from our living room in most cases. And, um, and so the great decentralization is coming uh, and we're in it. I mean, you know, like you said, I'm probably in the first wave of it, but there's going to be many more waves coming. And, you know, you, I have 25 uh, raised bed boxes. I have an entire food forest. Um, you know, I, I, I'm growing most of my food at, at 8,000 feet also. And um, I think that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to be hooked together by um we're in our community we're hooked together by radio we have all have radios and so we're all hooked together we all have on the same frequency and we can all talk to each other in the event that the internet and phones and everything go down which is highly likely if there's like say a solar flare so <clears throat> um uh you know it's it's not that hard you know it, it, it's not that hard to you have to do it and it's hard work, but um, everything will be centralized around your small community and people will be bartering and, and everything. And, and um, uh, we'll have to take care of each other and, and we'll have to homeschool each other and our children and, and the whole thing. And that, that's the dynamic that's coming as uh, the system falls apart. And that's what's going on. The system is slowly deteriorating. Um, 
There's many, many accidents going on right now. I was talking to a state trooper, so he's never seen so many weird accidents out on the highways right now. And we know about all the um, terrible things being done to the food processing plants right, and, right. and everything. And um, I hear the next uh, thing that's going to happen is the, um, the theft of our electrical wires for the copper inside. Um, so you can bet, rest assured that starting out in the country, you know, where nobody can see anything, right? Thieves are going to start stealing the wires and then you're not going to have, you're not going to have phones and you're not going to have. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, um, so, you know, it's going to happen that way and, and, and there's nothing that anyone can do about it. It's, it is part of the age of Aquarius, any good astrologer will tell you that we're moving into the age of decentralization is clearly obvious from the supply chain breaking down and everything that 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 is what's going on and i say uh, prepare acknowledge what's going on and prepare 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 because you know um i want to say one thing here and i okay. want to be very careful how i say it okay it's really important but I've had it acknowledged from several highly intelligent people that I know. And what is what I think is the dynamic behind what is really going on the last three years with all of the things that have happened is that they're sorting out the high IQ, highly perceptive people from the ones that aren't. And they're trying to create a society of only highly perceptive, high IQ people, and they don't want the dumb ones in the society. And I think that's what's going on. Oh, gosh. Yep. Yeah. Try to be as nice about that as I can. Yeah, I was worried about how um, the food source is fattening people up. And I just thought of, you know, what are they fattening us up for or some of us up for? Well, uh, again, um, highly intelligent, smart people don't go, don't get fat. I know. So, so that. Oh, so then it's easier to figure out who's who. Oh, wow. Now wow. you're getting it. And, really? and, and this was a, a, the person that told me this was an extremely well-known intellectual who wow. is in the know. And they wow. told me this about a week ago. I've been suspecting it. But I never had anybody of who's way in the know tell me that that was what was going on, and now I'm like, "Yep, that okay, makes a lot of sense." Again, first, so so, how much time do we have? Do you think? I mean, are you? I I'm not sure what I believe about people. I don't want to be a Pollyanna, but I still want to create the a better a better. Uh, scenario so wh what i can do is grow my own food be loving and kind share yep. the show what yep. what else uh, do business uh, get as many of the uh, the new teachers and leaders out on and make them visible that's what i do what else can i do what else can the viewers do well i think all that you said is pretty much right um you, you know, you, you want to get into a community and it's not that hard to find. You use the internet to find your community and uh, like-minded people who will work with you when, in, when you're in trouble and when you help them when they're in trouble. And, um, um, you know, you probably want to 
get some antibiotics and some things, uh, you know, uh, painkillers, you know, things that you want to keep on your property that you may need or your neighbors may need in an emergency. And, uh, you know, write down a list of the supplies that you think you're going to need and and get them. Um, I'm going to, you know, there's probably going to be, how do I put this delicately? There's probably going to be a lot of garage sales coming here very soon that are going to be probably pretty good garage sales. So, um, you know, keep your eye on all of that because you're probably, I'm going to say that I'm not, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. There's about to be a great deflation, not inflation, an incredible deflation. And, um, as the boomers, my generation, you know, began to leave the planet, I mean, we are the wealthiest generation in history. And as we begin to leave the planet, um, we're leaving a lot of toys behind. And um, uh, that's what I mean by some of the best garage sales you've ever seen. Um, so that that's where you can get your supplies is where I would be looking. I see. Yeah, I, I noticed my, I mean, the, my daughter's age, they want Ikea. They don't want the antiques and all the oil paintings I got from my mother and, you know, the silver and all, they don't want any of the good China. You know, it's like, really? Cause, cause I got those things thinking they were loving memories. Like I look at the China and think of my grandmother, you know, that kind of thing, but they don't, they don't have any sentiment to any of the those physical things. It's so fascinating. Yeah, well, we did break with the past, and now I don't know if we'll ever be able to get it back. But I think that dynamic also will change as um, as uh, uh, poverty ensues. I think people will be a lot less picky about what they're doing and what they're taking, and um, and I think that we're going. We're we're definitely. Our, our, our years of the United States making being a super wealthy country, I think, are behind us. I think it's not only a matter of time before, you know, we learn the ugly truth about um, the way that we've dealt with the outside world. And the outside world knows what we've done to it. And they're not real, really very happy with us. So, right. you know. So, say, so how much time do we have? That's it. I keep asking you that. And I don't know that you have the crystal ball, but. But I, I mean, would I would say um, not much. Do we have to 2030? No. No? Oh, okay. Anytime now. I would say, well, I don't know if Cliff would like me to say that, but I did get an email from Cliff High about uh, eight days ago, and he said, uh, better get everything in order uh, within the next two weeks. So um, he's been kind of right. He also told me to buy enough shoes to last for five years. I was like, huh, I wonder what that meant. Wow. (laughs) But you want to know something? I think I am going to go out and buy enough shoes for five years just because he said it. And um, But he's been uncannily right. So he and I are in email contact all the time. And I have to tell you, he has... He has been like at 95% uh, for wow. the last three years. He predicted everything, you know, and I was like, whoa, I better start listening. After he was right, like the first 15 times I decided I'd start listening. 
Wow. So now, you know, I, I do listen. And so he's saying like within a week. And what's interesting is he's not alone on that. I have a, I have a bunch of financial advisors who also are telling me that they're expecting something imminent here um, happening. I don't know what. I don't know what they're seeing. I'm not really a financial person, right. um, so I don't know. But um, there is kind of a weird unease uh, right. going around right now that I've never seen before. But people should know, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and I probably should go, but I'm in contact with a lot of people. And I can tell you right now, there is a lot of things being discovered on many different fronts all at the same time. And they're all really, really hopeful. And each of them has the power to change the way that we think about ourselves, our past and our future. And I'm, I'm, and I'm telling you, there's like 15 or 20 of these that are being worked out right now. And it's really exciting. Yes, that's that's what I'm I'm hopeful that we'll figure it out and that there's the new teachers, the truth tellers, the new leadership, the new yep. heroes. Um, that's what I've been doing for 23 years is working to try to illuminate and and launch as many of them as possible, because yep. that's what we need. We need new guidance um, out of the quagmire, especially the people that have been in the programs of religions and um, some of those programs where um, the COVID did slow down their um, their uh, access to the church and to that. So it did start the process, but there's a lot of people who would be very disoriented um, once they see the, the programs that have been in place. And and um, aren't going to know what to believe because they. That's they right. Yeah. What we're, what we're about to see is the normies are going to wake up and they're not going to be very happy, and right. um, we have to help them because they're going to be very very upset and there's going to be a lot of mental issues uh, that occur when they realize that their entire paradigm is not just wrong but actually dangerous, and um, that that's going to happen and it's happening right now. Right. And, right. You know, I think that's the uneasiness you're starting to feel the anticipation of that. That's what, but it's been very interesting. There's been um, so many people. I'm, I, I'm a volunteer for the IONS group. And it was interesting that you talked about your near death experience because a lot of those people that aren't fearful of death are really um, capable of functioning it's, right. it's that, fir that first wave of people that, oh, no, I'm going to die without this or I'm going to hell <laughs> without this. You know, all of that, because the conditioning is so generational that um, that we're really going to need to help and show them a different way of, of being liberated, actually, because they've never been liberated. They've never been freed. No, um, this process is going to probably going to take a couple of years to work out, though. So we just have to learn to live with it. As the normies wake up, we got to get ready for all the mental issues that are going to occur when that happens. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, some cases we need to hold their hand, and other cases we need to duck and run because <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, I I believe that we're um, we are very powered. We're much more powerful than we think we are. And this is hopefully um, 
hopefully enough people will share this. Please, you guys, please, please, please share this out because this is a wake up call and there are lots of resources to help us. There's trailblazers that have communities that know the agricultural, um, get back to the land and the beauty of being in alignment with the land and can lead us to this new era, which is gonna be peaceful. We, we're, we're going to be telepathic, we're gonna be loving and caring, and we have to get out of this war, um, egocentric um, lifestyles that we've created over, over the eons um, to uh, create this new earth. So thank you, Jay. Thank you. I, I want to make sure I've been putting in the um, banner and in the comments about Reality Check. Could you just share um, how people find you on Reality Check and or any other way you'd like them to find you? Uh, yeah, um, I am kicked off YouTube for the next week. I don't oh, no. Strike. Yeah, I got my first strike the other day. Oh, um, no. I, uh, it was a great show, though. Catcher in the Rye, John Lennon, and Mind Control. But um, uh, I'm going to put it back up as soon as my I, I'm out of jail, which will be in about five days. And uh, <laughs> But, yeah, it's, I'm just doing what we're doing here, exploring reality and trying to bring concepts like I've been bringing here to a larger audience so that we can work together to create a more dynamic uh, future that is more oriented towards positive uh, anti-war and um, uh, a community. Perfect, perfect. Well, uh, you're welcome to come back here anytime you get get kicked off <laughs> YouTube. And and also, you might want to back up your site, um, your YouTube site on Odyssey. I don't know if you already have done that, but the, every show I do on YouTube is automatically backed up there. There's anybody out there who wants to help me do all that? I can yeah, I'll be that. glad to. I'll, well, I'll be glad to help you do that. I don't know if I can help you do everything else, but anyway. I am looking for someone to help me uh, with my show. So if there's anybody okay. out there, okay, all right. Okay. Well, thank okay. you so much. Thank you, right. and please, you guys, please share this. We really, really, really want you to be empowered. Thank you. Bye bye.